Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So welcome to this episode of Fertility Life Raft with me, Alice Rose, and we have the gorgeous Nick from Nick's Nutrition here, um, and it's such a, a pleasure to have you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Although I have woken up this morning with a, a sore throat, so apart from that, I'm fine. I've known of you for quite a long time th- through Instagram, and you were really kind, actually. I remember quite a few years ago, I think you shared you shared something of mine. It was just a really generous thing to do because you have a large account and um, shared something that I'd done around fertility support, I think. Um, and um, I was I was really grateful and it was really lovely. And then I met you in person finally at Ro Huntress's um, gorgeous book launch for her book, which is Deliciously Healthy um, Fertility, So, um, which is a beautiful book. Um, and do, do go and have a look at Ro's stuff. But but the reason I was just saying, like the reason I wanted to, to kind of bring you into our, our little uh, cocoon here, our life rough cocoon, and we are recording live, so hello to our members, um, is that you shared your story um, at that event that we were both at and there was just something really um warm and lovely about you Nick and I just thought you you just have a a way of you know sharing what happened with you and also speaking from a kind of professional in the nutrition space although not a fertility nutritionist and I I really just wanted to hear a bit more about that and hear about what what was it like going through that story um and also you know and I've don't worry I'm just I'm not going to (laughs) like just bombard you with tons of questions and you have to answer them all now but you know where this chat might go is that I'm interested to know what was it like going through that as well with with um the knowledge that you have like that kind of knowledge that you have because what happens for most of us or lots of us is that we're sort of bombarded with information and it's really difficult to know what to trust and what not to trust and all that kind of stuff so while while you're not a fertility nutritionist I I'm I'm interested to hear like was it maybe easier for you to kind of make empowered decisions and that kind of thing please introduce yourself a little bit more and and tell us a little bit more about you uh, they are great questions like great questions so um hello my name is nicola ludlam rain i've been practicing as a dietitian for 14 years and i mainly run the account nick's nutrition where i share kind of like public health tips and healthy eating messages and then i set up mummy nutrition when i fell pregnant now had i gone through what i went through when trying for our second i would have it would have been a very different story, which we'll come on to. And I think one of the reasons why um, perhaps you invited me on is, is I, I'm very open. I'm very honest. Before we started recording this podcast, I was saying how um, my ensuite has just been flooded. <laughs> First world problems. But anyway, <laughs> dealt with that. So, yeah, I, I am very honest. And, and you might, I suppose, going through, um, I'd call it like infertility or, or like miscarriage is what I went through, two miscarriages. 
I did have that, that level of knowledge. And I think I feel quite privileged because I had the basics and I just, and I know who to go to, to ask questions. And I just tweak things a little bit. And I'm, I'm more than happy to share like what I tweaked and the basics that I had in place. But what I will say is that I took pregnancy and health for granted initially. And now I do not. And I think, you know, falling pregnant is a miracle. And there are things in your control. Shall I share the story about like what happened? Yeah, yeah. Tell us a bit more about what happened. And that, yes, that's, that is also really important to say is that that's, that's the secondary um, uh, element to your story, which is really important because a lot of the time that is missed. So anyway, I'll be quiet. Yes, please do. Please do share with us what happened for you. So I am now 37 and, and I am very blessed to have two young children aged one and four. However, so going back to the start, I never really like, so I knew, I knew that people have miscarriages, um, but I never associated it with something that would happen to me. I don't know why. It's a bit like, like cancer, you know, we're aware that people have it, but you don't think it'll ever happen to you. And with, with my first, we, we started trying for baby, very blessed. We fell pregnant in month two, and it was a very straightforward pregnancy. And I set up my mum nutrition account. It was private and at the 12 week scan. So I waited 12 weeks for a scan and in hindsight and what's happened since, I can't believe I waited that long. Um, I made it public and everything was hunky-dory. Um, we've always wanted two children. And then like, this is where kind of like the fertility journey happens. So my sister was getting married in Spain and I think in 2020. And firstly, so she didn't really want me pregnant at her wedding. In hindsight, it's the most ridiculous thing and do not plan pregnancies around events. So first of all, I massively respected her wishes. I thought I'm not going to be a pregnant bridesmaid. So, you know, given my age, I had my first baby at 32. So I, d- I delayed trying for a baby. Obviously there was COVID and then we're like, right, like, let's start trying. The wedding's been cancelled. And we tried. And in month two, we fell pregnant. I was like, great, yeah. Um, then though, at about seven weeks pregnant, and by this time, when you're seven weeks pregnant, You've already planned, you planned like when the baby's going to be born and the age difference and everything. The pregnancy symptoms started to go away. And with my first, they started to fade about nine weeks. And I had reassurance from a doctor that that, that, that would be normal. But at seven weeks, it just felt a little bit too early. And so I, I booked an early pregnancy scan. And this is something that I toyed with during my first pregnancy. But I'm a, I'm a stickler for rules. And I went on the NHS website and it was like, it said, don't go for extra scans unless they're medically indicated. And that's why I waited for my 12 week scan with my first. So this time though, I was like, no, I was like, I went for a reassurance scan and I went and it was, it was a Wednesday and I went along and, oh God, it's so funny. I sometimes can talk about it, sometimes can't. I can't, like, I can't talk about it. It's just, it was emotion. So, and my husband came in because it was like during COVID. So he wouldn't have been able to come to an NHS scan. So he came in and she just said to me, she said, have you got your dates wrong? So she could see a sack. And if you're trying for a baby, like you don't have your dates wrong, do you? You know, everything's meticulous. Like, you know, sex, I have sex on the day of ovulation. And, you know, around those days, everything's timed. And at that point then, it was a choice of either, I like, I, I could have broken down, but like my husband, he just, he said, and, and I'm very privileged to have already had one. He just said, look, he said, we've got, we've got Henry or, you know, he could have said something different, like, like, like we've got this, like, you know, we can try again. But he said, he said, we've got Henry. And just somehow, like, I held it together. 
but like I knew what that meant you know have you got your dates wrong and anyway like bless her she booked me in for another scan in two weeks time and there's always a little bit of hope isn't there that like it's not a miscarriage because I hadn't started bleeding and then two days later on the Friday like I started spotting and what, what I'd say is that like the the first scan was like a little punch and then when I was bleeding it's like a second punch and then when I, when I realized what what was happening you know it's of course like it was it was it was really sad I was like Christ you know I'm going through a miscarriage and what what shocked me was I never heard of someone before who'd gone through a successful first pregnancy without a miscarriage then going through a miscarriage and all of a sudden I thought oh my god like what is wrong with my body like I, I I did blame myself I thought is it to do with alcohol I'm not a big drinker is it due with caffeine I, I don't have that much caffeine but I'll, I'll discuss those later is it exercise I'm not a big exerciser but I did do HIIT workouts and I was in the car and I was speaking to my sister and my and my sister said oh Katrina Scott from the Tone Up Girls has literally just shared this on Instagram this secondary infertility and she's a similar age to me like mid-30s and as soon as she said that I just and I read her post I just thought oh my god like I'm not alone and I thought the the sentence that went through my brain was like I'm not broken this happens like it's a normal part of sadly it's a normal part of life and I went through the the, the miscarriage and about a week later or two later like it was a good thing that I had a negative pregnancy test that doesn't always happen but I was like right however my sister had then rebooked her wedding so me thinking oh it's fine I've had my miscarriage let's you know it's fine I won't have another one I thought I delayed then trying for a baby because I didn't I thought I said Sarah look I might be pregnant at your wedding but I'm not going to give birth and had we started trying from that point I think it was the August I would have been giving birth uh, on her wedding day so I was like no Sarah don't worry I'm gonna wait at this point I didn't actually know the research behind the fact that if you have a miscarriage and then once you've got a negative test actually if you conceive within the, the following three months there's a higher chance of it being a successful pregnancy so I didn't know this so I was happy to give it a longer break so we started trying again and it was February by this point same again month two so January then February we fell pregnant I was like, great, like, this is it now. And then it was like, it was about almost like the exact same mark, like the seven week mark or six weeks. I started spotting and literally that actually hit me harder than the first time because I thought having one miscarriage was, it was like, okay, that, that's fine. I can go through a miscarriage. But as soon as the second one comes, you're like, oh my God, why there's a problem here. And when you're going through infertility, like the hardest thing, or like miscarriage, the hardest thing is that you don't know how the story ends. And right now, like, I think I said this during the panel talk at Rose Book Launch, I said, me being here, I've got a really neat story. I've got a start, I've got a middle, and I've got, I've got an end. And I know the ending was happy, but in the middle, when I was going through it, it was horrible because I didn't know like what the ending was gonna be and what it was gonna look like. I again got a negative pregnancy test about a week or two later and you know what I just thought sod it I'd spoken to several healthcare professionals and I knew that it was a myth that you had to wait for um, a pregnancy to come yeah sorry a period to come I'd had that negative negative pregnancy test and I thought do you know what I'm not going to wait for a normal period I'm just going to jump back on have time sex when my app tells me that I'm ovulating I used the flow app the free version and we fell pregnant the month after and I'm not joking 
the level of anxiety throughout the entire pregnancy was horrendous and like we booked an early scan at seven weeks it wasn't internal external like it was positive I booked a nine-week scan the nine to 12 week mark was horrendous and then from then the, the nurse was so lovely she would offer me like Doppler scans every two weeks. She actually offered it weekly. And I said, no, 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 I think I can do every two. And as soon as it got to like day eight, I was like, oh my God, I'm massively regretting this. It was the most anxiety provoking pregnancy. And, and at the start, I said that I set up my mummy nutrition accounts, basically document week on week pregnancy bumps. And like the second time around, like th- that did not happen. Thank you so much for sharing all of it with us. It's it's um, incredibly emotional to go back through. So I really appreciate you, you know, go, going there for us. And I think, you know, uh, there's so many different experiences that people have and so many different um, ways that people manage it. And I guess what I think, I find interesting is like it, it all depends like who we are as people like our personalities our backgrounds our circumstances and that's why it's so important to work you know we work a lot on kind of uh, dissolving comparison and not um you know j- j- looking at what's happened with my story compared to what's happened with someone else's story but it is really helpful to just hear what has 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 happened for other people I guess one of the things that that actually stood out to me when you were talking about this and that's something that we that I know can feel quite difficult to hear for people sometimes is the idea of kind of planning pregnancies around events because when you're going through infertility it sort of becomes almost laughable that you would you would even have that option you know like I I I certainly couldn't there was no way I could have you know planned because I had zero idea of like when that was going to happen but I know that you know when when you kind of go into it and you just think well this is probably going to happen for me so it's fine it makes sense that you're like well I don't I don't want to be I don't want to be pregnant at the wedding so I'm not going to have sex then what happens now in your mind when you think about like planning things like that 100 I think my advice is to say you know you, you don't know what's going to happen first like you don't know how long it's going to take to conceive in the first place and and then you don't know the, the next story and especially like when you're in your 30s I think it's a different ball game a little bit when you're in your 20s early to mid 20s but late 20s early 30s mid 30s late 30s early 40s like you can't and anyone who is close to you family friends will completely understand my sister sees now how ridiculous it was and she never said in so many words I don't want you to be pregnant at my wedding but there was definitely you know like I'm the older sister um you know she didn't really want the limelight taking away from her on a special day and you know what I respected it I'm a good old sister and I was like Sarah I'm not gonna be pregnant at your wedding and then when it happened and then still I was like look Sarah I'm not I'm not gonna miss your wedding I'm, I'm going to delay. And then in hindsight, though, I missed out on that window, you know, that window of, of, of opportunity within mm-hmm. this three months, which I did a really interesting Instagram live with Gyne Geek. And um, Love her. she's been on this podcast as well. She's- oh, yeah, isn't she brilliant? And th- th- that's it. Like, that's how I coped with um, secondary, like infertility, the miscarriage. It was empowering myself with knowledge and speaking to reputable people. I didn't go on Dr. Google. I started to like respect my body more because I realized that like, like when you're in your twenties, you can almost get away with abusing your body a little bit more, you know, like you can go out on drinking episodes and recover the next day. But as you get older, you can't. So the first thing was, was exercise. And I only, I used to do like 20 minute workouts Monday to Friday. I, I used to be like in and out quick hit workout. I completely stopped my hit workouts even though there isn't any evidence to say that hit workouts 
I just thought I'm going to be kinder to my body. And I thought if my body is trying to do this miracle thing about growing an egg, I'm going to take it easy. So I just did kind of cardio and gentle strength. I just removed the hit element. And then with regards to diet, the main thing, especially after the second miscarriage, was I totally cut caffeine. The advice for people generally is to have no more than 400 milligrams of caffeine a day. And there's about 100 milligrams in a cup of coffee, less than a cup of tea. When you go out to coffee shops, be careful because some of them add like two, three, four shots. So if you're in a coffee shop, always ask for decaf or one shot max. When you're trying for a baby, really the advice is to pretend that you're pregnant. This time around though, in leading up to it, I totally cut caffeine and there is evidence, you know, to say definitely keep it to no more than 200 milligrams, which is the advice in pregnancy. And I just thought, well, it's going to cut it out. You know, I didn't really need it. So I switched to decaf and then alcohol. Like I said before, I'm not a big drinker at all, but I completely cut out alcohol. I just didn't want to have any potential blame. Like I said, I blame myself at the start. 90% of pregnancies are not to do with lifestyle factors at all however lifestyle can help to improve fertility chances so I just wanted to remove any doubt that miscarriage was to do with what I was eating drinking doing and then it was more about what I can I add to my diet so I was making sure that I was taking a decent fertility nutrition I think I took Vita West and or like Pregnacare and one that contains like you know minimum 400 micrograms of folic acid if your bmi is above 30 or if you've got diabetes or if you take epilepsy medication it should be five milligrams or more if you're trying for a baby prescribed by a doctor um, and that 10 micrograms of vitamin d and um, plus plus other minerals things like like iodine would have been in there calcium as well and i just made sure that that my diet was healthy and nutritious so i mentioned before the mediterranean style diet making sure that hitting your five a day and you might have heard having 30 different plant-based foods throughout the week. And when you think of 30 plant-based foods, it's whole grains, it's fruit, it's veg, it's nuts, seeds, lentils, beans, even different colours count. So you might have a red pepper on one day and then a green pepper on the next. And that counts as another point. Spices like cinnamon, paprika count as quarter of a point. So you have four different herbal spices throughout the week. And that's that's an extra point. Basically, each plant food just provides a different profile of minerals phytonutrients antioxidants like vitamin c vitamin e um, and antioxidants basically they help to neutralize like free radicals like toxins in the body so basically there's and that sounds really like uh, woodoo but um the sunlight there's pollution all around us um metabolic processes are going on 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 our bodies every day obviously we go to the toilet that excretes waste but basically all these metabolic processes and pollution in our body they could potentially cause harm so antioxidants basically come along and neutralize them so we get antioxidants from a wholesome fruit and veg plant-based diet so yeah hitting your whole grains oats whole pasta um from a protein point of view I'd say you don't have to go vegan or vegetarian, but having a plant-focused diet is great with, with small amounts of, of lean meat to provide nutrients. So I would have lean red meat once or twice a week, great source of easy to absorb iron. If you don't eat red meat, having things like your fortified breakfast cereals, beans, pulses, but having them alongside a source of vitamin C. 
because vitamin C helps you to absorb iron. So for example, a glass of orange juice with your fortified cereal, some tomatoes in your bolognese that's made with um, beans and lentils, things like that. Um, if you do eat fish, having two portions of fish a week, one of which is oily that I mentioned at the start, things like salmon, mackerel, pilchards, but again, not having too much oily fish. So just keeping it to once a week. And if you don't eat oily fish, there is evidence to consider taking an omega-3 supplement. So something that's based on algae. So basically algae is rich in omega-3. Fish come along and eat the algae and that's why they're rich in omega-3. So you can just bypass the fish if you don't eat it. Um, healthy fats are a big one. So the predominant type of fat in my diet is unsaturated fats from olive oil, rapeseed oil, nuts, seeds, avocados. Don't be afraid of fat. Um, with regards to dairy, um, I'd say, you know, should you go fat-free, low-fat, full-fat? It completely depends on your preferences. Full-fat dairy isn't actually as bad for us as what we once thought. It's just a portion size to consider. So, um, yeah, don't have, be having copious amounts of things like whole milk and, and whole yogurt, just maybe a smaller quantity. I personally like to compromise on like 2% or 5% as opposed to 10%. Um, we need fats in our diet. They help us with hormone production and help us to absorb fat-soluble nutrients, A, D, E, and K. And I think that that's it in a nutshell. It's just trying to keep the, the processed foods to a minimum. You don't have to cut them out. You know, when you're on a fertility journey, you don't know how long it's going to last. And, and you need to stay positive and, and be happy with your life. So, yeah, it, it's cutting down on those foods, not out. So think moderation, not deprivation. I think that last point is like so key and because I, one of the things I wanted to ask you and thank you for all of that what happened to me when I was going through all of this and learning about nutrition and making you know making a lot of changes which I which I did is that I got really overwhelmed and what I found that there seems to be um, conflicting advice and that really was difficult because I was and I was so so nervous I got myself into a real pickle with it because I was just like I can't do this I can't do anything which is going to be wrong and I need to make sure whatever I'm um, consuming is not going to harm my fertility and in fact I, I think the tone of how we share the information that we need is absolutely key like the communication about how we can take ownership and empower ourselves with with the knowledge that we do need it has to be delivered with the right uh the right tone because we've got to understand what happens in the in the mindset of people who are on this on on this journey and that blame piece that you were talking about can really feed into that can't it so you came at this with a um with an advantage in that you already had that basic knowledge but also you knew where to go um trusted sources and knew how to kind of sort you know make a decision about what was reliable information or what you were going to you know believe versus not take on kind of thing so how can we um not get overwhelmed with different potentially conflicting pieces of information the number one tip is to question who is giving you that advice who is the author of that article? Are they a medically trained doctor? Are they a registered dietitian or a registered nutritionist? And just to say the word nutritionist is not a protected title. Anybody can call themselves a nutritionist, but not everyone can call themselves a registered dietitian or a registered nutritionist. In the fertility space, I would say you really need to speak to a, a fertility, a fertility dietitian, if not a fertility registered nutritionist. Because what that means is that they have taken a deep dive into the research and they can give you the pros, the cons, 
this is what the research says they might say well actually do you know what we need more research on that my philosophy though is that if it doesn't cause harm and if you want to try it then do so like for example i think um i took coenzyme q10 during my fertility journey i, I stopped once i was pregnant but that was a decision that i think the evidence was a little bit mixed it wasn't going to cause me any harm i knew the dose to take and I, cho I chose to take it so that's the thing you need to find out is it going to cause me harm okay no it might offer some benefit it's going to make me happier taking it and i've got the extra cash to spend on it let's do it if you are budgeting though and you've got the choice well should i buy all these supplements or should i spend 100 pounds speaking to a registered nutrition professional i'd say speak to that registered nutrition professional because for example like zinc you might not need a zinc supplement you might just need to add some pumpkin seeds to your porridge for example and have like a like a mixed seed jar there are lots of different things and also they might tell you you can buy a supermarket zinc you don't have to buy that expensive one from that health shop down the road that says it's organic so they'll help you to decipher the research and the claims and the labels there's a really good fact sheet from the british dietetic association on fertility and I, I'm a member of, of their like group. What I can always do is I can, I can always ask if I can share it um, to you because um, it's meant to be a closed document, but it's a really good, easy to read, two pay PDF. Okay. So I'll ask, because it does got some simple tips and like some nutrients on the back. So um, yeah, I think you've always got to question and, and it's really easy to go deep dive you know, and, and I compare it to, to, to cancer people are really vulnerable and um, you're in a place of it, even I could have been in a place where all of a sudden um I I lose all my basic knowledge and I just want I just want anything but I somehow managed to stay grounded and I think I managed to stay grounded because it wasn't just me it was a potential future human being which I didn't want to jeopardize with anything you know that, that could have jeopardized a, a bit like the whole you know like cooking methods you know, there is some research to say that, you know, it, it burning foods, you know, char grilling on a barbecue isn't great. So maybe, you know, steaming, poaching, stir frying at lower temperatures might be better. Sticking, you know, like like, like your nonstick pans and um, getting rid of any pans that, that are scratched and things like that. So, it, yeah, if you've got a, a scratched pan and you've got them in it and you can afford to replace it, I'd probably say, well, yeah, do replace it. Um, but, but try not to get too head up about, you know, potentially you know, things like, like shampoos and, and conditioners. And I, I do have friends. I've got a friend who managed to switch everything to natural. Has it helped? Did it help? Like no one can really say. So it's, it's up to you about what you do. I think that's it. I think the um, it, it, it's having the knowledge, having the trusted sources of information, which I, I do talk about quite a lot with with my my people, um, trusted sources so that you don't go, well, I'll just have one more check and I'll just, you know, have one more Google and I'll just, oh, but that's confused me because that person said this and this person said this. Um, you really want to make sure that you're kind of just just deciding, right, this is the person that I'm going to listen to. Um, I trust them and I'm just going to use that because it just really helps to, you know, elim eliminate <laughs> all of the different um, information that might come in. I think what you were saying there around like making choices around this stuff, like if it doesn't do any harm and, 
yeah again just that even the word harm I'm just like oh can we is there any other way that we can phrase that so it's not like kind of feeding into the idea of blame you know but there's 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 the responsibility that we can all take there's definitely responsibility that we can take for for choices that we we are going to make on this experience but then there's also just recognizing like okay but does it make me happy like you were saying like is this going to make me happy? Can I afford it? I think that's really important. Does is it is this where I want to spend my time and energy and money and invest, or actually make? Does it make more sense and will it make me feel calmer to actually put money into speaking one to one to a registered dietitian or whatever it is? So it's like just being in tune with like where you're at and what is actually going to be the best benefit to you each time you're making a decision over it. It's a bit like organic fruit and veg. Yeah, there's there's a cost of living crisis at the moment. If you can afford to buy organic amazing do it not all of my fruit and veg is organic the non-organic just make sure to wash it or peel it once you've washed and peeled it there's not actually you know much difference and there's no difference really in the micronutrient uptake or content and, and you don't have to go on like a raw food diet for example because actually there's ev- evidence to show that likely cooking things especially tomatoes you've got more lycopene Um, which is a nutrient found in tomatoes, in cooked tomatoes and tomato puree and tinned. So, you know, tinned products do have a place and things like tinned kidney beans, tinned lentils. If that's going to help you to eat more of a plant-focused diet rather than having to, you know, um, soak dried stuff, then great. So it's about finding that happy medium. And I'm I'm looking at the chat as well. There's some like great comments coming in as well. Yeah, I was just going to go to that. Yeah, let's have a look. So um, Pip was saying exactly what we've done four years in. My weekend is now my treat day. Diet Coke may be a takeaway. And Chloe's saying, thank you so much for sharing your story and insights. As a lifelong vegetarian, I was especially interested in the plant-based focus. Suzanne's saying, oh my God, the guilt and overwhelming feeling about food. Yeah, I've gone a bit mad with it. I think I'm finally getting a good balance and realising a few treats a week won't ruin me. Exactly. Um, Any advice about healthy but treaty snacks? Yeah, so I always say there's no such thing as good and bad foods, just just good and bad diets. It's about taking a step back and looking at the overall picture. So yeah, making sure that, that you've got these healthy fats in the diet, for example, and nutrients, but a little bit of sugar is not harmful. I think once you understand what happens in the body, basically the process of digestion, all foods are just broken down into glucose for carbohydrates, amino acids for protein, fatty acids for fats. Your body does not know what it's eaten. So if you eat a cake, it's just going to be broken down into a little bit more glucose. So, you know, if you're going for a walk that day, well, do you know what? You needed that extra energy anyway. And and not to say that you have to go for a walk every time you have a piece of cake. It's just an example of every food has got a functionality. Cake provides energy. It provides enjoyment. White flour is fortified with micronutrients. Pizza, in my opinion, is the most balanced meal you can get. Carbohydrates, (laughs) protein from, from the dairy, load of vegetables. Yes, it might be slightly better to go for thin crust and more vegetables, but I'm all about like what you can, what can you do to make that what you're having slightly healthier. With regards to snacks, I quite like the mantra protein and produce. So it makes it filling and tasty. So for example, like Greek yogurt with berries and maybe a little bit of honey, some dark chocolate sprinkled on top or some granola sprinkled on top, hummus and carrots, or maybe some wholemeal pita sticks, apple and cheese nuts and dried fruit i love medjool date stuff with nut butter and a bit of chocolate inside oat cakes with nut butter and banana every time you have a snack you know what can you do to just add some extra fiber and nutrients in there 
because it's all about like fueling your body and and fueling the the fertility hormones giving yourself the micronutrients to help with um like like the ovulation process and, and implantation and things like that so supplements are great but supplements in addition to a healthy balanced diet often people ask about like protein powders and protein shakes and this is something that i didn't mention that i actually forgot that i did so um protein powders like whey protein or vegan blends can be a convenient way of getting protein in especially if you're deficient you're working out they are though well depending on the brand it can be an unregulated product so i decided to not have it protein powder when i was trying for a baby and in my first trimester and then of course because I quite like a scoop of protein powder in my smoothie on the morning if I'm having it or in porridge because I actually my first child has got cow's milk protein allergy and I had to swap from dairy to oat milk and I can't stand dairy dairy is a great source of protein so I have to add it separately so I did add whey protein or a vegan blend back in in trimesters too but that was a personal decision I just thought could it cause harm well probably not but if there's any doubt that I've got a um, an unreputable brand that might have a little bit of caffeine or something that I don't know in you know what I'm just going to remove it because it's an easy swap it's not going to cost me any money I know that I'm already getting enough protein elsewhere in my diet have a little bit more cheese or fish or corn or, or whatever so I, I decided to make that switch and um, but yeah I just thought I'd mention that a healthy treat snack things like popcorn in those like small bags popcorn is a whole grain which is fantastic and um, if you go for dark chocolate yeah try and go for dark chocolate like I quite like a 70% but equally you know you can still have your dairy milk or there's a trend at the moment to make chocolate bark so if you melt a load of chocolate add in some um you know dried fruit nuts seeds so that it's just it's all about adding to these that would be my tip yeah thank you so much for that I think exactly I um found myself when I was learning all around about nutrition obviously not to the level that you know it but I, I got kind of really geeky about it when we were on our, our journey and I went from feeling really resentful about the you know I had to or supposedly I had to change you know what I was eating and I felt really I felt quite angry about it and I felt really cross about it and really I was very resistant to it at first and then as I started to learn about it and I started to educate myself and I started to like absorb the actual information that I was learning I switched it from feeling like I was I was living a restrictive diet uh, or lifestyle to just adding in completely so I love that you're talking about that and that's what I felt that's exactly where I found myself is that everything I was eating I was like right where can I add in more that's going to actually nurture my body but also my body and soul and mind because I'm giving myself like good stuff like it all just felt really good to just consider what I was eating in a really um, empowered way but it and it really honestly didn't feel restrictive at that point once I'd got to that stage after the resentful resistant bit (laughs) well I was really angry about it I really came through the other side and I was like this is actually really amazing like I've just given I, I felt like it was learning this whole other thing that I could do and I felt better. And that I think that's the key thing as well. It's that I always say to people when you're learning about this, it's like, try to almost also like 
let go a little bit of, of, of the kind of mustn't do this, must do this. And just remember that actually what you're doing is nurturing your body, mind and soul. So when you're adding in loads of good stuff, you are just going to feel great anyway. And when you're feeling much better, you know, it's going to balance out your your sugar highs and lows and you're not going to have such like wild um, ups and downs in your mood and you're going to have more energy. And all of that helps to process the shitty crappy things that may or may not happen along the way in your fertility journey so so kind of switch it from like I have to do this because this is what I've got to do for fertility to just like do you know I'm just going to nurture myself on every single level and that includes thinking you know what did you say around respecting your body more so respect your body more give it what it needs in a in a nurturing and kind way and that helped that really helped me anyway yeah no 100% and like the other thing that we haven't mentioned about respecting your body is sleep often you know in our culture it's like you know you have to be hustling and we're we're up late night you know watching Netflix scrolling on our phone and first thing in the morning but actually getting a really good sleep routine and knowing that sleep our body isn't just resting powerful things are going on when we're sleeping and I would have never said meditation I think I associated with meditation you know like being a monk and like doing this like you know meditating or perhaps breathing I think I'm a fan of you know like the breathing exercises or um, like listening to a calm bit of music before bed, just trying to to clear your mind. So clearing the mind, sleep alongside, you know, gentle movement, getting outside, supplementing correctly, but in addition to that balanced diet. And like you said, it's about what you need to add, but not taking away the, those soul foods. So yes, still still enjoying life. Totally. And and yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of the work that we do in the membership in the Life Raft is, is looking at like, what is it that's going to support you in connecting to that sort of spaciousness internally, whether it is meditate, you know, for some people, it will be meditation for other people, they'll, you know, want to run a mile, and that's fine, <laughs> because they can find their own version of meditation, or it might be, yeah, exactly your breath work or um, a sound bath or whatever it is find the thing that's going to help you but but keep engaging um let me just have a quick check at the, the question so Suzanne's asking is almond butter is almond butter or peanut or coconut butter and oat cakes okay yeah do, do you know what variety is the spice of life and all of those are plant foods so you're going to be getting different nutrients the other thing coconut so coconut it is quite high in saturated fat so it's probably something that I'd say not to have every single day if you're making a Thai green curry and it requires coconut milk, well, first, I'd probably go for a, a lighter one. Just moderate how much of the coconut that you're having, whereas peanut, almond, cashew, it's much more of the unsaturated fats. So, yeah, absolutely fine. Like, add that. And I think she said she likes what I said about pizza. <laughs> we can't yeah. have pizza really. We love it. It's one of the most balanced meals. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, I love that. Um, Maria's saying, have you got any tips for portion control, especially given the stress that infertility can cause, making it so easy to overeat? Yeah. Self-soothing, often without even realizing it. You can eat a great diet, but this can be such an ambiguous and elusive key to weight gain or loss. Yeah. So, and there is research to support like having a BMI of between like like nineteen and like less than thirty is conducive to fertility. So, not being too underweight because we need certain levels of body fat to support things like periods, and then trying to achieve a BMI ideally of under thirty. From a portion size point of view, I mean. If I was talking about weight maintenance, I usually say if you've got a plate to divide it into thirds, third for your vegetables and salad, fist size serving for your whole grains or carbs, potato, rice, pasta, cooked, and then a palm size 
for your protein. So third, third, third. And then thumb-sized serving of healthy fats, olive oil, or it might be mayonnaise, or it might be some nuts and seeds or, or cheese on top of a salad, something like that. Um, if I'm working with someone from a weight loss, I might just switch the plate a little bit and say to try and go for half a plate of your salad and veggies. You can like roast with a little bit of olive oil, making sure like, you know, not to burn. So it's less important with vegetables. That's more really for, for your true like starchy carbs. Um, or can you like, like steam, adding some like tasty, like for example, a tahini, like a little bit of honey and lemon juice dressing on top. So it's all about making vegetables tasty. And I think the key with vegetables is the preparation, isn't it? And I still to this day, I think I've been scarred by my primary school experience of having <laughs> you, you know, diced carrots that are like cooked to death. Like you don't want to be cooking vegetables to death because when you cook food, especially like, for example, vitamin K, it leaches out into the water. So that actually is a top tip. If you are boiling, for example, peas or carrots, and you haven't decided to steam that day, use the water, for example, in a gravy because it's got nutrients in it. But don't overboil because overboiling can denurture, basically break down like vitamin C, which is really important. Half half a plate, just under about a quarter for carbs and just over a quarter for protein. But I think the key with portion size is making sure that you're not under fueling earlier on in the day. So I've actually got a reel coming out on Tuesday and it's about how to recover from, from a binge. And one of the tips is not seeing it, like reframing how you see that binge, using it as a learning opportunity. Did you have a packet of biscuits mid-afternoon instead of two? Because you just had a bowl of soup at lunch. There was no whole grains, there was no healthy fat. Maybe it was devoid of protein. So making sure that each meal is balanced. I am such a snacker, I love snacking. Make sure that you've planned your snacks. Um, you know, mid-morning, maybe even a couple in the afternoon. Snacking is fine. What isn't fine it is grazing, where you're kind of like eating every hour and like grazing consistently throughout the day. But I think a top tip, um, again, is changing your environment so that the healthy choice is the easy choice. When you open that fridge door, having pre-cut cucumber, carrots with hummus, and if you've got any leftover cake, for example, wrapping it in foil and putting it below it's a seafood diet, S-E-E food. We see it, we're more likely to eat it. So having a fruit bowl out on the side, your cereal covered, rearrange it so that your oats is in a see-through glass jar with a portion scoop. I've got half a cup measure in my jar of oats. When I want porridge, I just go half a cup. No weighing, no measuring out. I know that that's, that's like one serving. We do have cocoa pops in. Cocoa pops are like at the back. Move the biscuit tin from next to the kettle to an inconvenient location. For example, on the top shelf. It's still in the house. You know, there are other people in the house and you may still want the biscuit. But what you're doing is you're creating pause points. So that chance to pause and think, like, do I really want that biscuit or is it just habit? And I'm just dipping in because the kettle's boiling, dipping in because that's what I always do. It's making the healthy choice the easy choice. Basically. Yeah, I think that's really, really helpful. And also just to say on that, Maria, like part of this is like this is that there needs to be kind of two approaches, two pronged approach so that you do all of that stuff on the other. I'd say that was, you know, almost like the 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 um, really sensible kind of practical action taking that you can take. And then 
at the same time you are looking at okay if you're eating for self-soothing what is it that needs more healing and love and unconditional attention internally and that's where all of the life rough work comes in all the mindset support that you're doing is going to come in because you're going to come in with a a much more holistic approach to kind of your eating and so that you're finding you that you are more mindful you're more intentional um, and that you're not going to overeat to self-soothe because you're already giving yourself that self-soothing in other ways I completely missed like the second part like the, the second part is um I was going to say and I'm sure you discuss this it's like if then strategies so when you are feeling positive come up with a if I'm feeling bored I will do this if I'm feeling stressed I will do this so if then so if I'm feeling stressed out I will go for a walk often I tell people to write this down and keep it with them you know if I'm feeling sad I'm going to pick up the phone because food is what we call a pacifier of emotions it temporarily distracts us and it does dull down our emotions but temporary so as you say Alice it's not a long-term solution you need to come up with what is your solution what do you need more of in your life and if nine times out of ten you choose that new strategy then then that's going to be positive but it does take work at the start any habit takes work and it does it does exactly that it takes work and that I mean that is literally what we do in the life rounds that they have all have their columns of like <laughs> what I do you know what how am I feeling today I'm feeling like this therefore I need this column amazing you know and so then and then they curate their own they build literally build their own life up that's that's what we do in the, in the membership but I love that if I feel this then what I do that that really feeds into um the, the, the framework that, that we use there was one thing I did just want to talk about as well it's like I um I feel like there's so much contention around the BMI question when it comes to fertility I mean obviously there's there's I mean I do hear really really heartbreaking stories of like being denied NHS funding because of BMI and then the questions over it and I'm sure this is an issue that's come up for you. How 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 do we manage this? Because I, I I find it really difficult as someone obviously who supports people going through this in a in a way because they they're trying to manage so many things, all the self blame, da da da, and then the BMI factor. So let's just talk about that quickly. Yeah. So the BMI is a great tool when used at a population level. On an individual level, though, it's not. It's a useless tool, and that's because BMI body mass index it's height to weight ratio it doesn't take into account a person's lifestyle where someone is storing their weight their muscle mass however unfortunately some guidelines especially when it comes to the nhs have to exist and the guidelines do come from research and i suppose what they're saying is that if someone achieves a bmi of under 30 then ivf may be more successful that's at a population level though that doesn't mean to say on an individual level and I've met individuals who've got a BMI of 32 33 who are so much healthier than that BMI of 24 who's smoking and drinking all day and has got horrendous diet it's really unfortunate someone's saying that they hate teaching the BMI that they're a food teacher I think it's just about saying that it's a tool um, and actually I, so I work in bariatric surgery clinically, and most people have got a body mass index of over 40, over 50. So yes, you could argue that losing weight is going to improve, improve their mobility, the pressure on the joints. Once you get into the BMIs of 30s, like actually having extra weight, especially in older life, is protective. 
so yeah yeah it's really hard and it's a really I, I mean I know Nicola Salmon who I've had on the podcast before who's fat positive um fertility she's she's brilliant because she she really supports people who are um you know above the kind of NHS guideline threshold and I actually don't know what the situation is in other countries actually and I really should do more research on that I'm sure Nicola will be able to I'm sure you know actually um but the the lack of kind of individualized um responses to people who just go in you know and to, they might go to their GP first and immediately they just go to wait they don't actually take into account any of the other factors and I just I think it's something that's really problematic in the fertility world specifically but you know too much to say in, in our in our episode today but just something to bear in mind if, if anyone's listening to this and just finding that that is a trigger for them like please find support contact me and I can signpost you to people whatever it is that you're if, if that if that's coming up for you like know that there is support that that will that will help you through that I just say just focus on the journey and the destination will take care of itself. You know, just focus on what is in your control. Don't focus on weight loss. Just focus on a healthy, balanced diet, getting sleep, exercise, your meditation, and your weight will will figure itself out. And and have specialised, you know, support and join join yeah. the join the life raft, join the join the network yeah. who understands like how hard that is. Accountability, how, yeah, yeah, all all of that and is support. It's so so key and so vital. Um, just one more question there. Suzanne was just talking um, to say I've been recommended hemp seed or pea protein powder? Question mark. Yeah. So I mean, if someone is vegan, for example, and they are not meeting their protein needs, my advice would be to choose a protein powder from a reputable company that doesn't have anything else added. Sweeteners are fine. Some add stevia, which is more natural or xylitol. But make sure that you choose a blend. So for example, like pea and rice, because then you're going to be getting more amino acids. Also, they taste a little bit better as well. So yeah, you don't need to be scared of protein powders or scared of sweeteners. Just buy from a reputable company. And that little swap was just something that I chose to do because I eat meat, I ate, eat fish, I knew that I didn't really need a protein powder, so I just knocked it off and then I reintroduced it in trimester two once I thought, yeah, like I'm ready to do that. Thank you so much. Uh, Pip's just saying, thank you so much for all of this. It's been so reassuring to listen that I'm doing what I need to do, feeling a little emotional after listening to it all. Big Aww. hug to you, darling. And and to anyone listening as well, just, just um, sending all of the empathy your way. I, we know, like we really understand like how oh, so, so overwhelming it can be, but hopefully this has been really... Um, a helpful conversation and Nicola thank you for joining us even on your hectic crazy flooded bathroom morning (laughs) really appreciate it where can people find you online oh well thank you honestly thank you so much for having me I've never done a podcast which has been live before um, and seeing comments but it's been so nice I felt like I've just been like chatting to a group of women so honestly and if anyone's got any questions or or they want to reach out I, I mainly hang out on Instagram at Nick's Nutrition, NICS Nutrition, or at Mummy Nutrition. But just to say, like, you might not be ready to follow Mummy Nutrition because um, my life now is to do with my children. So Nick's Nutrition, I don't, I don't share um, about pregnancy and things. It's all about healthy eating. And so hopefully there'll be some nice tips on there. Um, what a, what a empathetic decision it was to kind of to, to separate them out, and um, it, it it is hard. It is really 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 hard for people when when they kind of follow an account and then all of a sudden they have a baby and you're like, oh oh no, I'm, I don't want to see yeah. that right now. Um, so yeah, that's amazing. So Nick's Nutrition on Instagram, but thank you so much. I'm I will um yeah be sharing this soon, and I know it's going to help loads of people. Um, everyone's saying thank you, interesting and helpful. Thank you so much for answering my questions, reassuring, hopeful and happy. Thank you so much. This chat has been so interesting 
interesting and informative and another thank you there so yeah and thank you to everyone joining us live as well it's been um, an absolute pleasure but um nick take care have a great day go and have another hot drink and soothe your voice after all that chatting <laughs> Thanks, all right take care, take everybody. care everyone bye, bye.